Hi, I'm Eric, and this is Listen to Sleep, quiet stories and meditations to help you find a little peace at bedtime or anytime. We've got three solid days of rain coming up here on the mountain, and I am so excited about it. I think we might even get to see some newts here soon. Here on the mountain, I don't know if you've seen them on my Instagram or TikTok, but we have these red-bellied newts that come out when it rains in the fall and the winter, and they are just so cute. And they're local to this area really only. And I just absolutely love them. So hopefully pretty soon we'll have some newts and some more green. And at any rate, the fire season for 2022 looks like it is definitely behind us now. So that's pretty wonderful. I want to tell you about a project I'm developing right now that I would like your help with. But first, I want to give you a little update on what I learned from you last week when I asked about how you felt about the meditations. Many, many of you got in touch with me to let me know you really love them. So for now, we're going to keep them as a part of the podcast. I may cut back a little bit to every other week, I haven't exactly decided yet, but definitely when the new year comes and the podcast goes through some little changes, the meditations will stay. I'm glad to hear that they're helpful and that you all like them. The little changes that are coming in the new year are going to be new original stories. For three years now, I've been reading only stories from the public domain, which is stories that are older than 100 years old here in the United States. And I always wanted to read original stories, but I didn't have access to them, and I didn't feel confident in my own ability as a writer. Well, that all changed over the past year, and I do feel confident in my abilities as a writer, and I'm very excited to share some of the stories I've been writing with you. So we're going to have that coming up in the new year, and I hope you enjoy it. But on top of that, I'm also working on a new program called Awaken Your Myth. This came out of all the time I spent on TikTok and Instagram in the last year. My TikTok and Instagram accounts got pretty big. And it was mostly Gen Z women who were following me. And they let me know that they could use some help with realizing their dreams or even finding their dreams in a world that's a little chaotic and not so conducive to realizing your deepest dreams. Now, I'm very fortunate that over the course of my life, I have realized almost all of my dreams, this podcast being one of them, also living here on the mountain. And during the last 40 or so years, I spent a lot of time 
with mentors and teachers and just learning things the hard way and came up with a solid set of principles, attitudes, and skills that have helped me to realize my dreams. Those are all getting poured into this new project, Awaken Your Myth. And over the next few months, I'm going to be developing it, and then I'll be putting together a free online workshop where we can talk about all of it. I'm looking for help with beta testers and people who are interested in being involved on the ground floor with this. There's a link in the show notes to join.awakenyourmyth.com, and that will get you into the beta group and the newsletters I'm going to be sending out over the next couple months to find out what your ideas are and what you might want to help you live your dreams. Again, that's join.awakenyourmyth.com. Just enter your first name and your email address, and we'll be in touch over the next few months. And I'm really looking forward to getting your feedback on all of this and developing a program that's just amazing together. I want to thank Georgia, Grackle, Kina, Ashley, Victoria, and Nathan for supporting the podcast this week by subscribing to the ad-free version. If you'd like to get the podcast without any ads a day earlier each week, along with some perks to help you sleep, you can get more information on the website at listentosleep.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes. I heard from some listeners recently that they thought I get paid to do the podcast by Spotify. Unlike music artists, they don't pay podcasters when people listen to the podcast on Spotify. I do make a little money from the advertisers that you sometimes hear on the podcast, but the majority of the funding for making this podcast comes from the support of listeners like you. And much like public television, it's a small percentage of folks who contribute that support. And I very much appreciate whatever you can do to help out, whether it's a subscription, a tip, or just buying an audiobook on the listentosleep.com website. It all helps. This week's story is a sleepy Icelandic story from the 19th century about a village coming together during a hard winter. Let's take a deep breath in through the nose and slowly out through the mouth like you're blowing out through a straw. Just letting go of the day, feeling the weight of gravity pulling you deep down into the mattress. Another deep breath in through the nose. And slowly out through the mouth. Nothing to do. Nowhere to go. No one to be. 
This is your time. Time to rest. One more deep breath in. And out. If you get tired while I'm telling you this bedtime story, that's okay. Just let yourself drift off. The Old Hay During the latter part of the reign of King Christian IX, there lived at Hall, in the Tunga district, a farmer named Brandur. By the time the events narrated here transpired, Brandur had grown prosperous and very old. Old in years and old in ways. The neighbors thought he must have money hidden away somewhere. But no one knew anything definitely. For Brandur had always been reserved and uncommunicative and permitted no prying in his house or on his possessions. There was, however, one thing every settler in those parts knew. Brandur had accumulated large stores of various kinds. Anyone passing along the highway could see that. Brandur usually had some hay remaining in lofts and yards when spring came, and besides, there was the immense stack that stood on a knoll out in the home field before the house. It had been there for many years, and was well protected against wind and weather by a covering of sod. Brandur had replenished the hay a little at a time by using up that from one end only and filling in with fresh hay the following summer. Brandur was hospitable to such guests as had business with him and refused to accept payment for food or lodging. But very few people ever came to see him, and these were mostly old friends with whom he had financial dealings. Brandur was willing to make loans against promissory notes and the payment of interest. There were not many to whom he would entrust his money, however, and he never lost a penny. Whenever these callers came, he would bring out the brandy bottle. The buildings at Hall were all in a tumble-down state. The furniture was no better. There wasn't a chair in the whole house. Even the bedroom had only a dirt floor, and it was entirely unsheathed on the inside, except for a few planks nailed on the wall from the bed up as far as the rafters. The clock was the sole manufactured article 
in the room. But friends of the old man knew that underneath his bed he kept a fairly large carved wooden chest, bearing the inscription, Anno 1670. The chest was heavy and was always kept locked. Only the nearest of kin had ever seen its contents. Brandur was not considered obliging. It was very difficult to get to see him. Yet he was willing to sell food at any time for cash. Hay, too, as long as there was some still remaining in his lofts. He would also sell hay against promises of lambs, especially weathers, once it was certain that the cold part of winter was past. But his old haystack he refused to touch for anyone. In this way, Brandor stumbled down the pathway of life until he lost his sight. Even then, he was still sound in mind and body. While his vision remained unimpaired, it had been his habit to walk out to the old haystack every day and stroll around it slowly, examining it carefully from top to bottom and patting it with his hands. This habit he kept up as long as the weather permitted him to be outdoors. And he did not give it up even after his sight was gone. He would still take his daily walk out to the haystack on the knoll, drag himself slowly around it, groping with his hands to feel it, as if he wished to make sure that it still stood there, firm as a rock and untouched. He would stretch out his hands and touch its face and count the strips of turf to himself in a whisper. Brandur still tilled the land, though he kept but little help and was living chiefly on the fruits of his former labors. He had fine winter pastures and good meadows quite near the house from which the hay could easily be brought in. The old man steadfastly refused to adopt modern farming methods. He had never leveled off the hummocks, nor drained or irrigated the land. But he did hire a few harvest hands in the middle of the season, paying them in butter, tallow, and the flesh of the sheep bellies. The wages he paid were never high, yet he always paid whatever had been agreed upon. Old Brandur had been blessed with only one child, a daughter named Gudrun, who had married a farmer in the district. Since his daughter's marriage, Brandur kept a housekeeper and one farmhand, a young man whom Brandur had reared and who, it was rumored, was his natural son. But that has nothing to do with the story.
When Brandur had reached a ripe old age, there came a winter with much frost and snow. Time and time again, some of the snow and ice would thaw, but then a hard frost would come, glazing everything in an icy coating. This went on until late in April. By that time, almost every farmer in the district had used up his hay. Every one of them was at the end of his store, and nowhere was there a blade of grass to feed the livestock, for the land still lay frozen under its blanket of hard-packed snow and ice. When things had come to this pass, a general district meeting was called to discuss the situation and decide what should be done. Brandur's son-in-law, Yoon, was made chairman of the meeting. During this discussion, it was brought to light that many of the flocks would die of hunger unless God Almighty vouchsafed a turn in the weather very soon. Or old Brandur could be induced to part with his old hay. That stack would help if properly divided among those who were in the greatest need. The quantity of hay it contained was estimated, and the general opinion expressed that, if it were divided, the flocks of every farmer in the district could be fed for at least two weeks, even if they could not in that time be put out to pasture. Yoon being chairman of the district council, as well as Brandur's son-in-law. It fell to his lot to go to the old man and ask for the hay. So it came about that on his way home from the meeting, Yoon stopped at Hull. The day was cold and clear, the afternoon sun shining down upon the snow-covered landscape. The icy blanket turned back the rays of warmth as if it would have nothing to do with the sun. But wherever rocks and gravelly banks protruded, the ice appeared to be peeled off, for in those spots the sun's rays had melted it, although only at midday and on the south side. All streams and waterfalls slumbered in silence under the snowy blanket. A chill silence reigned over the whole valley. Not a bird was to be seen, not even a snow bunting. Only two ravens, which kept flying from farmhouse to farmhouse, and even their cawing had a hungry note. When Yoon rode up to the house at Hall, he found Brandur out by the haystack. The old man was carefully groping his way around the stack, feeling it on all sides, 
and counting the strips of turf in so loud a voice that Yoon could hear him. One, two, three. Yoon dismounted and, going over to Brandur, saluted him with a kiss. How are you? God bless you, said Brandur. And who may this be? Yoon of Baki, replied the visitor. Gudrun sends greetings. Ah, yes, and how is my Gunna? Is she well? She was well when I left home this morning. Now I am on my way back from the meeting that was held to discuss the desperate situation. You must have heard about it. Yes, certainly I've heard about it, I should say so. One can't get away from talk of hay shortage and hard times. That is quite true. Any other news? Nothing worth mentioning, answered John. Nothing but the general hard times and hay shortage. Every farmer at the end of his tether, or almost there, no one with as much as a wisp of hay to spare, and only a few likely to make out till Crouchmas without aid. Too bad, said Brandor. Too bad, and he blew out his breath, as though suffocating from strong smoke or bad air. For a while, there was silence, as if each mistrusted the other and wondered what was in the air. Brandur stood there with one hand resting on the haystack, while he thrust the other into his trousers pocket, or underneath the flap of his trousers. He always wore the old-fashioned trousers with a flap. In fact, he never possessed any other kind. Meanwhile, Holding the reins, Yoon stood there gazing at the hay and making a mental estimate of it. Then he turned to his father-in-law and spoke. The purpose of my visit to you, my dear Brandur, is to ask that you let us have this hay, this fine old hay that you have here. The district council will, of course, pay you, the parish will guarantee payment. We have discussed the matter fully. When Yoon ceased speaking, Brandur blew the air from his mouth in great puffs, as though deeply stabbed by a sharp pain in the heart. For a while, he held his peace. Then he spoke. Not another word. Not another word. What's this I hear? My hay for the district. My hay to supply all the farmers in the district. Do you think for one moment that this little haystack is enough to feed all the flocks in the whole district? 
do you think this tiny haycock will be enough for a whole parish? I think not. But we have calculated it, protested Yoon. We have estimated the hay in this stack will be enough to feed the flocks in the district for about two weeks, if a little grain is used with it. And if the hay is distributed equally among the farmers who need it most, there may be enough for three weeks, should it turn to be as much or more than I expect. By that time, we surely hope the season will be so far advanced that the weather will have changed for the better. So, you have already estimated the amount of hay in my stack, said Brandur. You have already divided this miserable haystack amongst yourselves, divided it down to the very last straw. And you have weighed it almost to a gram. Then why speak to me about it? Why not take it just as it is and scatter it to the four winds? Why not? The voice of the old man shook with anger. No, said Yoon, we will not do that. We want to ask your permission first. We had no intention of doing otherwise. We intended to ask you for the hay, and we did not mean to vex you, but rather to honor you in this manner. Is it not an honor to be asked to save a whole district from ruin? Oh, so all this is being done to honor me, said the old man, roaring with laughter. Perhaps you believe me to be in my second childhood. <laughs> Not at all. Old Brandor can still see beyond the tip of his nose. The cold-heartedness shown by the old man's laughter at the distress of his fellow men roused Yoon's ire. He could see nothing laughable about the desperate situation in the district. Are you then going to refuse to let us have the hay? Refuse to sell it at full price, with the parish council guaranteeing payment? He asked in a tone that was rather angry, yet under perfect control. Is that your final answer? Yes, responded Brandur. That is my final answer. I will not let the tiny mouthful of hay I have here go while there is still life in my body. Even though you mean to ensure payment, and even though you actually do guarantee payment. After all, who among you will be in a position to guarantee payment if 
all the flocks die. The cold weather may not let up until the first of June, or even later. In that case, the sheep will all die. It won't go very far, this tiny haystack, not for so many. It will not, I tell you. But what are you going to do with the hay? If everyone else loses his flocks, everyone but you, what enjoyment will there be in owning it? And what benefit? asked Yoon. That does not concern me, replied the old man. That concerns them. It was they who decided the size of the flocks they undertook to feed this winter, not I. Besides, they could have cut as much hay as I did, even more, for they still have their eyesight. Their failure is due to their own laziness and bad judgment. That's what ails them, what ruins them. But you won't be able to take this great big haystack with you into the life eternal, said Yoon. The time is coming when you will have to part with it. Then it will be used as the needs require. And what good will it do you? What are you going to do with it? I am going to keep it, answered Brandur. I intend to keep it right here on the knoll. Keep it in case the haying should be poor next summer. There may be a poor growth of grass and a small hay crop. There may be a volcanic eruption, and the ashes may poison the grass, as they have done in former years. Now, do you understand me? So saying, Brandur tottered off towards the house to indicate that the conversation was at an end. His countenance was as cold as the sky in the evening after the sun has set, and the hard lines in it resembled the streaks in the ice on rocks and ledges where the sun's rays had shone that day and laid bare the frozen ground. Brandur entered the house while Yoon mounted his horse. They scarcely said a word of farewell, so angry were they both. Yoon's horse set off at a brisk pace, eager to reach home, and galloped swiftly over the hard, frozen ground. After the sun had gone down, the wind rose and a searing cold settled over the valley, whitening Yoon's mustache where his breath passed over it. Yoon's anger grew as he sped along. Naturally high-tempered, he had lately had many reasons for anger since he took over his official duties. 
the people in his district were like people the world over. They blamed the board constantly, accusing it of stupidity and favoritism. Yet most of them paid their taxes reluctantly and only when long overdue. Sometimes they were almost a year in arrears. Yoon reviewed the matter of the hay in his mind, also the other vexations of the past. He was sick and tired of all the trouble, and now the life of the whole district hung on a thin thread, the fate of which depended on the whims of the weather. Yoon's nose and cheekbones smarted from the cold. His shoes were frozen stiff and pinched his feet, and his throat burned with the heat of anger rising from his breast. Yoon was rather quiet when he reached home that evening, although he did tell his wife of his attempt to deal with her father. Yes, said Gudrun, Papa sets great store by that hay. He cannot bear to part with it at any price. That is his nature. Tomorrow you must go, Yoon told her, and try to win the old man over in some way. I'd hate to be obliged to take the hay from him by force, but that will be necessary if everything else fails. The following day, Gudrun went to see her father. The weather still remained cold. When Gudrun dismounted the horse before the house at Hall, there was no one outside to greet her or announce her arrival. And so she entered, going straight into the bedroom. There she found her father sitting on his bed, knitting a seaman's mitten, crooning an old ditty all the while. Gudrun leaned over her father and kissed him. Is that you, Gunna dear? he asked. Yes, Papa, she said, at the same time slipping a flask of brandy into the bosom of his shirt. This greatly pleased the old man. Gunna dear, he said, you always bring me something to cheer me up. Not many nowadays take the trouble to cheer the old man. <laughs> no, indeed. Any news? It's so long since you have been to see me, of a year or more. No news everyone hasn't heard. Hard times, shortage of hay, and worry everywhere. That is only to be expected. It's been a hard winter, the stock stall-fed for so long, at least sixteen weeks, on some farms twenty. Quite true, said Brandour. It's been a cold winter, and the end is not yet. The cold weather may not break up before the first of June, or even midsummer day. 
the summer will be cold, the hay crop small, and the cold weather will probably set in again by the end of August. Then another cold, hard winter, and... He meant to go on, foretelling yet worse things to come. But Gudrun broke in. Enough of that, father. Things can't be as bad as that. It would be altogether too much. I hope for a change for the better with the new moon next week. And mark you, the new moon rises in the southwest, and on a Monday, if I remember right. You always thought a new moon coming on a Monday brought good weather. I did, conceded Brandor. When I was a young man, a new moon coming on a Monday was generally the very best kind of moon. But like everything else, that has changed with the times. Now, a Monday new moon is the worst of all, no matter in what quarter of the heavens it appears. If the weather is like this, raging sad carrying on so, that is true. But things are in a pitiful state, said Kudrun. What with the hay shortage, almost everyone is badly off, and not a single farmer with a scrap of hay to spare, except you, Papa. Yes, I, answered Brandur. I, a poor, blind, decrepit old man. But what of you? John has enough hay, hasn't he? How is that? Doesn't he have enough? Yes, we do have enough for ourselves, admitted Gudrun. But we can't hold on to it. John lends it to those in need until it is all gone and there is none left for us. He thinks of others as well as of himself. What nonsense! What sense is there in acting like that? Every man for himself, said the old man. That's right, but for us that is not enough. Yoon is in a position where he must think of others. He has to think of all the farmers in the district, and small thanks he gets for his pains. He's so upset, almost always on tenterhooks. He didn't sleep a wink last night, was almost beside himself. He takes it so hard. So... Yoon couldn't sleep a wink last night, repeated Brandur. Why be so upset? Why lie awake nights worrying about this? That doesn't help matters any. It isn't his fault that they are all on the brink of ruin. Quite true, answered Gudrun. He is not to blame for that and lying awake nights doesn't help matters. But that is Yoon's disposition. 
He's tired to death of all the work for the council and the everlasting fault-finding. He has had to neglect his own farm since he took up these public duties, and with nothing for his time and trouble. Now this is too much. He is dead tired of it all, and so am I. In fact, I know it was worry about all this that kept Yoon awake last night. We have been thinking of getting away from it all when spring comes, and going to America. Do you side with him in this? asked Brandur, grasping his daughter by the arm. Do you, too, agree to his giving away the hay you need for your own flocks, giving it away until you haven't enough for yourselves? Do you, too, want to go to America, away from your father, who now has one foot in the grave? Yes, I do, Gudrun replied. As a matter of fact, the plan was originally mine. If our flocks die, there will be no alternative. But if our sheep live, and those of the neighbors die, our life will not be worth living because of the poverty and want round about us. Yes, Papa, it was I who suggested our going. I could see no other way out. On hearing this, Brandur's mood softened somewhat. I expected to be allowed to pass my last days with you and your children, he said. I cannot go on living in this fashion any longer. Pass your last days with us, exclaimed Gudrun. Have you then thought of leaving Hall? Have you planned to come and live with us? You've never said a word of this to me. I have no intention of leaving Hall. That I have never meant to do. But that is not necessary. I thought you might perhaps be willing to move over here and live with me. I could then let you have what miserable little property I have left, Gunnar, my dear. And what about the hay, Papa? Will you turn the hay over to us, the hay in the old stack? Everything depends on that. The hay, the hay, the old man said, still harping on the hay, the hay, which doesn't amount to anything and cannot be of any real help. It's sheer nonsense to think that the hay in that stack is enough to feed the flocks of the whole district. There is no use talking about it. I will not throw that tiny mouthful to all the four winds. It will do no good if divided among so many, but it is a comfort to me, to me alone. No, I will not part with it, 
as long as there is a spark of life in me. That I will not, my love. Brandur turned pale, and the lines in his face became hard and rigid. Looking at him, Gudrun knew from experience that he was not to be shaken in his determination when in this mood. His face was like a sky over the wilderness, streaked with threatening storm clouds. Gudrun gave up. The tears rushed to her eyes as she twined her arms round her father's neck and said, Goodbye, Papa. Forgive me if I have angered you. I shall not come here again. The old man felt the teardrops on his face, hot with anger and sorrow. Gudrun dashed out of the room and mounted her horse. Brandur was left alone in the darkness at midday. Yet, in his mind's eye, he could see the haystack out on the knoll. He rose and went out to feel it. It was still there. Gudrun had not ridden away with it. Brandur could hear the horseshoes crunching the hard, frozen ground as Gudrun rode off. He stood motionless for a long time, listening to the hoofbeats. Then he went into the house. Brandur felt restless. He paced the floor a while, stopped for a moment to raise to his lips the flask his daughter had brought him, and drained it at one gulp. All that day, he walked the floor, fighting with himself until night fell. Then he sent his foster son with a message to his daughter. Yoon, he said, had his permission to haul the hay away the very next day. But it was all to be removed in one day. There was not to be a scrap of hay or a lump of sod left by evening. But the weather changes quickly, says an old Icelandic adage. By morning, the weather had turned its spindle, and the wind shifted to the south. Yoon sent no message to anyone, nor did he proclaim that the old hay was available. First, he wished to see what the thaw would amount to. By the following day, the whole valley was impassable because of slush and water, and the patches of earth appearing through the snowy blanket grew larger almost by the hour. Meanwhile, Brandur roamed through the house all day long, asking if anyone had come. Aren't they going to take away these miserable hay scraps? About time they came and got them. He seemed eager that the hay be removed at once. That day, he did not take his usual walk out to the haystack to feel the hay. In fact, 
After that, no one ever saw him show attachment to the old hay. His love of it seemed to have died the moment he granted his son-in-law permission to take it away. That spring, Brandur gave up housekeeping, and of his own volition turned over the farm to his daughter and son-in-law. With them, he lived to enjoy many years of good health. Never again did he take his daily walk out to the haystack to feel the hay. But he was able to take his sip of brandy to his dying day and repeat to himself the word of God, hymns and verses from the Bible. Now he has passed on to eternity, but his memory lives like a large stone a large, moss-covered stone by the wayside. Good night.